0: Well, welcome, everybody, to uh, this week's holiday edition of View from the Press Box. I'm Scott Hogan, and joining me is Brad Hallier. And, and Brad, it's uh, kind of that transition season we've talked a lot about. Unfortunately, one of the transitions, this is Friday, uh, we didn't want to see was winter weather uh, potentially affecting uh, Acacia State football. Um, I've already seen um, some of the sites are going to move up an hour that are in the areas where they're predicting a little bit more snow, but uh, the, the timing couldn't be any worse falling right around Thanksgiving than the storm prediction getting worse. So they, everybody kind of getting caught in a tough situation. I hope all these games and fans can get there and home safely and, and, and still have good state championship games.
1: Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a tough situation, you know, for, for Keisha, because, you know, it's, it's, I've, you know, you say, well, can we play Friday? Well, A lot of game day personnel, including maybe referees, are probably, you know, out of town right now for uh, Thanksgiving and probably weren't planning on coming back until later in the day on Friday. Uh, And then, you know, Saturday, it's supposed to snow pretty much from 9 to 9, so... I don't know what the solution is there. And if you play Sunday, there's a potential for that snow to linger on the roads. We're getting to the game with might be tough. So, uh, man, it's I'm glad I don't have to make those kind of decisions. But uh, it's it's going to definitely make for an interesting day of uh, high school football.
0: It, it will be. I mean, obviously, the ground, the soil and all that's still very warm from the recent warm weather. So I think it'll I think it'll melt away pretty quick. But that's not going to help you <laughs> while it's falling. So, yeah. Well, uh, I hope everybody again be safe if you're going out there to one of the championships. So let's start right there. Let's look at the state title games going from largest to smallest. So 6A, pair of 11 and 1 teams. Gardner Edgerton is playing derby. Um, Edgerton beat Blue Valley Overland Park uh, 35 to 3, and then derby in a game where Look like they missed an opportunity on a field goal, got an opportunity late, and came through in a 29-28 win over previously undefeated Worshburn Rural. Do you think Derby can, and uh, maybe a little bit more of an unlikely year with due to graduation for them, you think Derby can win this thing?
1: You know, Derby's uh, doing the quintessential playing your best football at the right time kind of deal. You know, most of the season you're kind of thinking – Oh, Derby's down this year. This isn't going to be their year. Uh, maybe they can make a run. Maybe not. Uh, but then, then you see you know, the caliber of teams that they've beaten in the postseason. You know, they've beaten in three straight weeks. They've beaten Lawrence, Manhattan, and Washburn Rural. So they've beaten some pretty good caliber opposition in some pretty close games. I, I would probably lean to, uh, to Gardner-Edgerton winning this one. Uh, they've really not been challenged uh, during the postseason. They've beaten some good teams along the way. And their only loss on the season, I believe, is uh, to Olathe North. Yeah, 21-7 to Olathe North. And, uh, frankly, that was the only close game that they've really played this year was against Olathe – or, I'm sorry, Olathe East. Uh, not Olathe North. It was Olathe East that they lost to 21-7. Uh, yeah. That that was pretty much the only close game that they played all year, though.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a – should be a good game. I, I, I'm kind of pulling for Derby. Did see him once um, this season. Uh Really good team. Again, it's kind of unexpected, and maybe they can uh, cap it off with a, a state title here on Saturday. As we move into 5A, and it wasn't the quite the season we've seen, but there they are back again. Mill Valley has made their way back to the title game yet again after a 48-47 win over a Blue Valley Southwest. They will take on... Cape and Mount Carmel, 11 and 1, as they took out Goddard Eisenhower in another tight ball game, 42 to 39. Uh, we know Cape and Mount Carmel, they're the smash mouth with Amari Elias. Uh, they're going to come right at you. Uh, Mill Valley, I don't know. They've been there, done that. What, what do you think about Cape chances to? I think this would be what? Would this be four in a row for Mill Valley or three? Five. Five in a row. Okay. Yeah. Do you think they make it five?
1: Well, man, if if there's any site that you're or place that uh, you would think that Capen would like to play this weekend, uh, it would be anywhere but Pittsburgh, which is the only site I think that's not expecting any snow. Uh, Maybe a little bit of rain out there, but uh, they're not expecting any snow because I think if they were playing at Hutch or Hayes or something like that, uh, that would play right into their hands. Uh, That's going to be – you know, Capen's obviously playing very well. Uh, Mill Valley, though, you know, Premier team in the state, arguably, over these last few years. Did you see how they won their game against Blue Valley Southwest?
0: I did not see that, no.
1: So they're out of timeouts with like 12 seconds left. Quarterback scrambles from the pocket. He's being chased, and as he's being drugged down, he throws the ball away. Uh, you know, outside the pocket, close to the line of scrimmage. No, no grounding or anything like that. Uh, slow motion replay shows that he was down before when the ball was in his hand. So they call incomplete pass, they get to run another play, they score game over. So kind of a tough, uh, tough Ooh. way for Blue Valley Southwest. And there's, it, it was a really tough call, though, Scott. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, was, we're, we're talking about breaking it down like this Zapruder a film. But uh, still kind of, kind of a tough break for, for Blue Valley Southwest. But I do think that uh, Mill Valley, I, I would favor them to win this one.
0: I would as well. That is a really I had not <clears throat> heard that about that game that's a really tough way to lose before we move on uh, put in perspective for me Brad I've got a Mario Elias's career numbers heading into this game he's going to be uh, going to Air Force um, next season his yardage 7416 yards and he scored 95 touchdowns in his career and and grant this is against loaded boxes every week because Capeman doesn't spread it out much and they come right at you. This is against teams that are loading eight, nine in the box to stop Amari Elias, and he puts up these kind of numbers. Kind of put that in perspective for me.
1: Well, it kind of reminds you of some of the great. I mean, he, he'll go down as arguably, you know, in Kansas high school football history, one of the, if not the best running back that we've ever seen. You know, it just kind of goes to show that, uh, you know, a well-executed uh, running game and how tough it can be to stop. Uh, you know, I look at all those years with Hutchinson. You know, Randy Dryling teams that you know they would throw the ball what four or five times a game. You knew that they were going to run. They knew that they were going to run. And essentially, the Salt talks plan was stop us. If, since you know it's coming, try try stop us. And that's what Capen's doing. You know it's coming. Okay, so stop it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, he's. I've I've had the privilege the last couple of years to see him play. I mean, I think I saw him play five times in the last two seasons. Um, I'm still waiting for somebody to stop him. I mean, it it just doesn't happen. Maybe it will happen. Um, if anybody can, maybe Mill Valley can. Uh, we'll see, but should be an, <clears throat> another good game out in Pittsburgh. In 4A, it's uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, and they are taking on uh, maybe the little bit of the Cinderella here, Andover Central. Andover Central, 26-7 win over Walmigo, and St. Thomas Aquinas beat Tonganoxie handily, 42-14. It just really feels like the uh, Cinderella run for Andover Central ends on Saturday.
1: Yeah, they've, uh, you know, when the season started, I think Andover Central was kind of one of those teams that uh, everybody was thinking. You know, the thing about 4A West, Scott, it always seems to be wide, wide open, and this year was no different. You know, I think Andover Central, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, they were the seven seed, uh-huh. maybe Maybe the sixth, something like that.
0: I think so. Let me go yeah. back. To which pages? Well,
1: and they start out pretty well. You know, they're 3 and 0. They beat Mays. Uh, they beat Bueller. They had a good start to the season. Then they lost three in a row to Eisenhower, uh, Salina Central, and Goddard. And I think maybe we kind of, you know, wrote them off a little bit after that. But, you know, three losses to three quality 5A teams. And uh, they've turned it on the playoffs with quality wins over Abilene, McPherson, and, and Wamega. So I do think that they, um, a surprise, but not a surprise at the same time. Uh, but uh, there's just I don't think there's any hope that they can beat Saint. Thomas Aquinas though,
0: yeah, I saw their loss against Salinas Central. They should have won that ball game, and uh they are the sixth seed, so yeah, kind of a little bit of a Cinderella, but i am I'm, I'm like you. I think it's gonna be really really tough i I do think uh, Aquinas wins that game. uh, the game you're gonna be covering in Hutchison uh is Topeka Hayden. they beat. Holton forty-two to fourteen to get here, and Brad, we're going to talk about this game before we talk about the championship. Cheney does it again to Andale twenty-eight to twenty-four. You were at that game. I I was uh, where was I? I was doing something. I, I think I must have been doing a game somewhere that day, and I was coming uh, or back, and I saw the early score. Andale gets out to the big lead. I thought, okay, that that they're focused. And I thought a little bit later in the evening, I had dinner done. I thought I'm going to turn Brad Brad's game on and just see. And the minute I got onto the app and it tuned into that game and I heard the crowd, I thought you got to be kidding me and listened to the end of that game. And to come from 24, nothing down. And then what were they down? They were down what 21 points in the regular season of game and came back all the way to end that winning streak. Um, and I've seen estimates of 6,000-plus people at that game in Sheeney, and I could barely hear you due to the crowd. Um, that had to be surreal to see Andale lose big leads twice in the same season to the same team on the same field. But um, give Sheeney all the credit. They, they came back, and there they are in the title game. That had to be surreal to see that game.
1: Yeah, it really was. It's 24 to nothing, you know, midway through the second quarter. And even though Cheney scored at the end of the first half, um, you know, you kind of thinking a little bit subconsciously. Deja vu all over again, because that's how it happened the first time. 20, 20 to nothing lead. Cheney scores at the end of the first half, make it 20 to seven. And then, um, you know, we're talking, me, me and my compadres were talking uh, during the halftime break. And we're like, we, 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 we just don't see it right now. And Cheney goes on a six-minute drive to score to start the second half of 24-14. But still, at that point, I'm still not thinking it's going to happen because Andale had the ball four times in the first half. They scored three touchdowns with very little problem. And on their fourth drive, they were just trying to scramble in the two-minute offense, trying to get down the field. And they actually they actually got down about the 30-yard line. So, you know, there's really no indication to think that Cheney, even though it was 24-14, was going to come back. And Andale goes right down the field again. And then they fumbled the ball about the 10-yard line. And that's when the first time I thought, oh, no. It's going to happen now. Like that that, that was when I thought, it's happening. It's—it's it's going to happen again. Uh, boy, I tell you, Jackson, both 19 catches uh, tied a state record. Uh, Coach Shelby Wehrman, you know, very calm, very cool, very collective. Uh, I just I love this Cheney team. Uh, I think you know the snow is going to be obviously a major factor for both teams. Cheney loves to throw the ball, but the 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 kind of irony of all this, Scott, is you know even though Cheney throws the ball a lot, they actually are a decent running team. So. They're probably going to have to run the ball tomorrow. I don't think there's any way, other way to say it. They're going to have to. Uh, Topeka Hayden, not exclusively on the ground. They do run the ball a little bit more than, than Cheney does. Uh, so, boy, I, it, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But, uh, yeah, Cheney, that, that was as a, a, as electric of a high school atmosphere as I've ever seen. They were too deep around the, the fencing or along the track. Um <laughs> It was I mean, we're, you know, I, I pulled into town, Scott, at five o'clock and I was meeting Colin Shields, who did a sideline reports for us uh, for dinner at this little burger place in town. And I'm driving by the stadium right at five o'clock and there are cars parked all the way up and down the street that led to the high school. And as I'm driving by the field, I saw Andale fans running to the far side of the field trying to get their seats and to get everything established at five o'clock, Scott, that just tells you what an atmosphere would, I mean, it's one of those rare times where the, where the, the a non-state championship game was, uh, you know, one of the games of the year.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of the semifinal. The last time Andale had lost previous to this season, I had the game at Pratt um, when Andale played there and it, it sounded like the same environment. Um, the, the entire track was packed overflowing this both sides of the stands are o- overflowing and you know same thing i got that to park two to three blocks away from the stadium at 5 30 to get in it was sounds very similar to that um so i hope uh they can pull it off there in hutch on uh on saturday and bring home a title that'd be quite a close to win a state title and haven't beaten andale twice in the same season well, in class 2A, defending champ is back. Nemaha Central, 12-0. They defeated Sabetha, 17-7. And then a little bit more in this area, Brad, Hoisington, 12-0 going in, 30-21. to They defeated previously unbeaten Norton in Norton. Um, boy, I like the season Hoisington's had, but I saw Nemaha Central dismantle Kingman a season ago in Salina. Um Boy, if, if I had to bet on this one, I would, I would bet on Nemaha Central. I hope Poisington can give them a good ball game, maybe pull it out, but I'd have to roll with Nemaha Central.
1: From the season opener against Holton, a good Holton team that they beat 31-6, to 6, by the way, to their second-round playoff game. So that has the span of, what, eight games? Nemaha Central gave up zero points. Mm. Just an absolute dominant defense. Yeah, I, I, I just think uh, as good of a season as Hoysington's had, and they've beaten some quality teams along the way, southeast of Selena and Norton especially, I, I just don't see it for Hoysington. I, I just think this Nemaha Central defense is just too, too tough to, to get much of a, a, uh, much of a momentum going against.
0: I, I'm the same way. I, do, I just don't think they can get enough points up there uh, to beat Nemaha Central. In Class 1A, uh, Jeff County North took out undefeated Pittsburgh Colgan 20-13, and they will take on Conway Springs. Conway Springs defeated Medicine Lodge 34-19. as Conway 10-2 coming into the game. This is an intriguing game. It's out at Hayes. Again, the weather not going to be good there. Jeff County North, a long trip out there uh but it's a hard one for me to to figure conway is awful good i don't know a lot about jeff county north to me it's a little bit of a toss-up in this one
1: yeah who would have thought that conway after starting zero and two including just getting throttled by kingman would would come back and uh you know make it to the state championship game they they survived you know that pretty tough district with uh inman and sterling and and uh, hutch trinity and uh, then they beat Marion in Medicine Lodge in the playoffs. Medicine Lodge is in that district, too, I believe. But, boy, look at what Jefferson County North has done in the playoffs, Scott. In their last three playoff games, they've beaten Centralia, Olpe, and Colgan. Oof. I and mean, that's a murderer's row of 1A right there. It is. And, yeah, and they only give up 13 points collectively to Colgan, who I think was pretty much the prohibitive favorite to win the state championship in 1A. So, Jeff County North definitely has, uh, like you said, don't really know much about them. And based on the snowfall, you know, Conway Springs is probably rubbing their hands together and said, let it snow, baby, let it snow.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know they are. Again, that's, that should be a great game out in Hayes. And I hope Conway I hope Conway, can finish it off uh, tomorrow out in Fort Hayes State University. Uh, Brad, if I was going to one game this week, if I could pick good weather, I was going to go to one game it's our next game I would go to eight-man division one in Newton. Linden undefeated at 12-0. Brad, they didn't just beat a really good care paravel team. They destroyed them. It was actually a run rule. 52 to 6. They beat them and they will take on defending champion Wichita County, who beat El Saline 64 to 28. We all know about Tanner Heckle. What a season he's had out. Um, At Linden, I I knew he was so good in 11 man. I thought you put Tanner heckle on an eight man field and he, he hasn't disappointed. I mean, they are rolling this. This to me is the best game in the state tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, part of that is because it could be, and I and I say this not as a slight to anybody, but this could be first to seventy wins <laughs> because these two teams' offenses are so dynamic. I mean, they they just put up points like it's nothing. I mean, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, we we the uh, thing was twenty twenty, where you and I did Little River and uh, Wichita County, and mm-hmm. it went seventy to fifty eight, I think was the final.
0: That sounds right, and it
1: was and it was just weird because as soon as Little River got to a two score lead, like. You could just feel the air sucked out of Wichita County. Like, guys, you're down by 12 right now. Why? Why is your sideline look so depressed right now? And it was because, um, you know, they knew that we can't stop them. They can't stop us, but we can't stop them either. It's just a, And I kind of got a feeling we could see something like that along the way on Saturday, where if a team in the second half can get up by two or three scores, that that could be a good night. I mean, talk about uh, Tanner Heckle. He has over 3,000 yards of offense, 65 total offensive touchdowns. That counts as rushing. And passing, he's also intercepted seven passes on defense, and the kid just had a remarkable season. He's been something of a cheat code at eight-man Division One, and uh, I, I agree, Scott. I, I, was, I was telling people on the broadcast last Friday, if, if you don't have a game to go to on Saturday, and you want to go to a state championship game just as a neutral, mm-hmm. that's one I would go to.
0: It, I would too. I mean, it's it's amazing, and that, that young man. It, it's hard for me to know what sport. I mean, I think he could play college athletics in three different sports i mean he's outstanding in track and field uh basketball he's he's all league all state and he is in football i I mean i have no idea he's gonna have offers in multiple sports at multiple different levels so uh uh, i'm rooting for them on saturday i hope that uh that he can pull it off there in newton and the second game of course in newton in eight man division two kind of the cinderella south central they defeated victoria 42 to 20 they will take on defending champion axtel who run ruled a good frankfurt team 52 to 6 first thing i'll say congratulations south central got to the title game you've had a great season uh, that's where it's going to end, I think. I, I If I was picking one for sure, if I had to bet a bunch of money, I would bet on Axtell on Saturday. And no disrespect to South Central, I just think Axtell is that good.
1: Yeah, yeah. They have uh, they have not played a full game since their season opener against Care Paravel. And uh, let's see if they get up 44 points in that game. I don't think they've given up 44 points since that game. So they've just uh, – and they're beating good teams, man. there's are not just beating good teams. They're hurting good teams. I mean – Central Christian, Osborne, Frankfurt twice now. They've, they've mercy-ruled Frankfurt twice. Uh, Hanover they mercy-ruled. Uh, Clifton Clyde they mercy-ruled. I mean, it, it, it's it, – yeah, it's – not only do I expect Axel to win, I don't think this is going to go the full, the full four quarters either.
0: Yeah. It, again, great, great season for South Central. We just both think there's just too much Axel on Saturday. And our final game, the wild world of six-man football in Dodd City, we'll see – Lynn, who beat Ashland 66 to 27, they will take on defending champion Cunningham, who just blasted Tescott 52 to six. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Cunningham's one loss was to Ashland earlier in the season. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so these two have not met this year. How do you see this one going out in Dodge?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of hard to know. Uh, based on the earlier results that Ashland, you know, beat Cunningham or beat Cunningham. And then, of course, Shyland's beaten uh, Ashland twice since then. But Cunningham really hasn't been challenged uh, since then. As a matter of fact, Scott, they went through, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight games without giving up a point, which is remarkable in six-man football. Oof. And they've all given up 12 points since that opening loss to Ashland. So obviously that their defense is playing at a very high level right now. And, but I do think that Shailin, uh you know, I think their schedule's probably been a little bit tougher than Cunningham's. They've, they've got some really good wins along the way, including the two over Ashland. Oh, man, I, it, it, here, if, if I was going to choose a second game to go to, this might be my second game because I think this could be a really good one too.
0: I think it can too. If, if I was I'd maybe lean towards Shylin, just like you said, a little tougher schedule, um, beating the team that beat, Cunningham and Ashland of course that was um, very early in the season if not the opener Um, yeah we hope that Cunningham um, can go back to back the first two official six-man state titles so that's a look at your uh, forecast uh, both literally and figuratively for Saturday in state championship football so again be safe if you're going to be out and about tomorrow and cheer on your team's well, Brad, I think it was time. Uh, I think good, good, good week to do a good, bad, and ugly from the last couple of weeks of sports um, since we weren't able to to get with you last week, Brad. So uh, I'll I'll start off with my good, and we've already talked about it, but I, I got to go back to it again. It's got to be the Cheney Cardinals. Um, just shocked. I was. I'm not. Su- I wasn't surprised they won, but I thought the game would play out differently. The second time than it did the first time, but to go down even m- by more points, not 20 to nothing, but 24 to nothing and come back and beat Andale, who's been there, done that. Um, it just it was just amazing. Like I said, I see the see the reports on the news and I see that packed stadium again. I tuned in, could barely hear you. Uh, that that was just that was amazing. I, I, I'm still. I'm still in a little shock of, of, of that game, but that, that certainly was my good from the p- past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, we're not surprised that Cheney won. We're surprised that they won in the manner that they did again. Again. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, going back to halftime, 24 to seven. Yes, Cheney scored the late touchdown, but me, Sam Ojeda, and Colin Shields were recovering that game for uh, Ad Astra. We just didn't see – at at being things at the, as they were, we did not see a way that they were going to come back, even after Cheney scored to make a 24-14. I still was thinking, let's see how Andale does here. If Andale goes down and scores, it's not going to happen. And Andale's going to win this game. And then when they fumbled, that's when I thought, oh, no. It's <laughs> going to happen again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cheney just uh, absolutely remarkable.
0: What would be your good from the last couple of weeks?
1: So are you limited to the football or to the sport? Any sport uh, that you want to talk about. Okay, well, let's – I kind of want to give a nod to the Kansas Jayhawks for good uh, in basketball because after they got punked, and they got punked by a good Marquette team, I was just thinking, gosh, I mean, that now they got to go play a Tennessee team that's got their number uh, the last couple of years. They they got squashed by Tennessee the year before down in uh, the Bahamas, and they had a, a quick turnaround. I think they had like a collective total of 11 hours away from the arena So that includes uh, going back to the hotel, eating, sleeping, getting up, having breakfast, going back to the arena. So that gives them probably what a grand total of maybe of nine hours in their rooms or whatever before they went back to the arena. And they went out and beat a very good Tennessee team. And that that really showed me something about these about these Jayhawks. I do think that depth is going to be a concern. I do think that um, uh, shooting is going to be a concern. But one thing I think that we learned is that there's some toughness there, too. To to shake off that loss to Marquette, a good Marquette team, which they probably learned quite a bit about it themselves in that game, and to come back and, and to beat a good Tennessee team, I think that's that really showed us something.
0: It it did to me too, Brad. And what about the the start for Kevin McCullers? Holy cow, back-to-back triple doubles. Not double doubles, triple doubles. What man, he plays yeah. like that with everything they've added from the transfer portal and all of that. Holy cow. I mean, this this is a there's a reason why KU's preseason number one. They, they could be really, really good.
1: Yeah, and, uh, how about Jamar McDowell the last few games? You know, kind of an, an unknown. Doesn't play at all the first 36 minutes in Kentucky, then found, finds himself in there in crunch time and hits two big free throws at the end of the game to seal the victory. And now his playing time has just shot up, and it's because he does a few things. He plays defense, and he takes care of the ball mainly. Uh, those are the two things that he primarily does, and so yeah, just uh, a, a a good bounce back for the Jayhawks. And boy, it doesn't get any, any easier as they got Connecticut coming up here uh, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, that's a always well, a tough schedule, and and the conference will be brutally tough. But that's why that gets you ready for March Madness. Well, Brad, time to rip off some some scabs here with my bad. It's got to be the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiving core. Uh, we've talked about it before our concern level was getting um in the mid-range and it went to new heights in the loss to the eagles and I, i'm at a 11 on a scale of one to 10 now um we we all saw the the drop passes i think there's league leading 26 now uh, for the chiefs i believe that counts the the last couple in the game of course we we all focus on the the valdez scantling drop which would have been a the go-ahead touchdown and potentially winning touchdown in that game. But uh, give kudos to Troy Aikman, Brad. The fourth and 25 play, he seemed to be the only one that wanted to point it out. That pass went right through the hands of Justin Watson. And he wasn't yep. hit. It wasn't like it was knocked away. It was in his hands. He was past the line the gain. They still would have had a chance. That was his second drop of the game. I mean, I, I don't know what to say, Brad. I, I am, I'm shocked that management has allowed it to transpire like it has this season. Um, when they got McCole Hardman, you and I were kind of, eh, you know, that maybe special teams, maybe maybe he breaks one long. I think he, he didn't play in that. I think he got injured in that game, did not come back. He's had that problem in the past. And then I come across this stat, which just poured salt into the wound the next day. 21% of Patrick Mahomes' incompletions this season – are drops 21% one out of every five a little more actually of his incompletions are drop passes and and I'd go on record right now Brad I don't think this team I don't think they can make the Super Bowl uh, if this receiving core doesn't change or does not drastically improve before January
1: 26 drops on the season so far now I would say that in a full 17 game season 26 drops would be a lot yeah now maybe I'm wrong about that but if 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 the Chiefs finished this season with 26 drops, I would I would have said, man, that's quite a few drops. And they still got seven games left. <laughs> but 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 can I can I play psychri- psychiatrist here, Scott? Can I kind try to lift you up a little bit here? I need some, yeah. Okay. What has been the primary problem for the Chiefs the last five years? What what has been like their biggest problem, you think, the last five years? You're, you're, before this year, before this year, you're, you're, don't don't include the, don't include this year. You're
0: steering me towards the
1: defense. I can feel it. I am steering you toward the defense. Oh. Yes, I am. Yes. Now, what ultimately happened more often than not in the postseason these last five years? Uh, well, the, the, the defense improved. Defense got better. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they weren't great, but they got better. I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is maybe the Chiefs wide receivers look at this point, Scott. They are who they are. They're not very good. They're going to drop passes. They're going to drop big passes. It's just who they are. We have to accept that's who they are. But maybe when it comes down to the very end and they're in the playoffs and they're playing a tight game, Mahomes threads a needle on third and 15 in a tie game with two minutes left, and and Valdez Scantland makes a nice catch and brings it in for a first down. That's that's all I'm saying is maybe the the, the, what, the improvement we saw from the defense, maybe that's what happens just enough for the Chiefs wide receivers when it matters.
0: Well, I hope you're right. I'm, I'm not helping you, am I? I don't see it. Uh, holy cow. <laughs> uh, and then there's been a, a several names of some veterans that are out there, uh, potential free agent signings. I don't know if you saw – I think they put the top five out there. I know like T.Y. Hilton, the former Colt, was uh, one of those. I can't, I can't remember. I don't remember where I saw that list. Do you think they – you think they look to a veteran that is proven like a T.Y. Hilton. He was really good. I um, mean, I think he's still only in his early 30s. Um, do you think they try to add somebody like that um, at this juncture um, and try to get him in there before the postseason?
1: I guess your, your question then would be, you know, what would someone like that bring other than maybe some leadership and some mentoring, which I'm all for, obviously. So I guess – you know, are you are you willing to, and you know Justin Watson had 11 targets here today, Scott. That's unacceptable. And Justin Watson should be should be wide receiver five, not wide receiver two. I don't even know if we have wide receiver one right now. I, I guess if 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 you think that the bringing somebody in like that would help, you know, mentor in chemistry, and not really be a, a negative, uh, which I can't really figure out why it would be. Uh, yeah, absolutely, br- uh, bring him in.
0: One, now that I remember, one was Sammy Watkins because he's he is currently available. Obviously, um, was with the Chiefs, won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, probably would be the most like or, uh, I guess maybe the most reasonable one just because he would know the offense. Um, again, I don't know. Again, I don't, I think that's a good number two receiver in Sammy Watkins, but um, right, right now I, I would take a good number two because they don't have that. I mean, holy cow! Uh, yeah, it's uh. We'll see. Uh, a much better Raiders team awaits them this weekend. We'll see um, how it comes out. But uh, let's let, we'll we'll move on for that. I'll, I'll I'll try to get some more therapy before our, our our next time we talk about the Chiefs. But what's your bad from the last couple of weeks?
1: I'm not trying to pick on you here, Scott, or anything like that. But um, <laughs> I and I say this with full disclosure. I think the Cowboys are good this year. I really do. I knew you were. Uh, you
0: you're gonna bring me down after they just. <laughs>
1: whooped up on the, <laughs> powerhouse
0: the league, the, the Panthers and the, and the commanders.
1: Scott, the, the combined records of the teams, the Cowboys have beaten I don't, 25 and 58. I don't hear it. Now look, now look, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll look, Let, let's, let's be fair. 50 serious. That's their 25, and r- 25 and 58 is the combined record of the teams that Cowboys have beaten 25 and 58. Holy cow. Now, let's 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 be I'll be fair here. It's not easy to win in the NFL any week. We've seen that we've seen the upsets. We saw the Arizona Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Yeah, Uh, it's not easy to win week to week in the NFL. Having said that, you know, all these Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. We'll know more about the Cowboys here in the next month. They play some good teams coming up. I know they play the Eagles coming up next Thursday. Uh, I think they get oh maybe the Bills or something like that. Uh, they, they got some tough games they coming do. up. And so we'll know more about this Cowboys team, I think, in the next month. They go two and two. I would think that in, in these next four games. I would say that's actually pretty good. Uh, but I'm just saying let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Cowboys. I know everyone's excited. They're America's team. Dolly Parton was out there yesterday. Hey, great. That's awesome. But – and it's not easy to win in the NFL. They're, they're doing what good teams should be doing. That's beating bad teams. Let's even be a good team before we, before we start uh, crowning the Cowboys.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm 100% along with you, and that's another thing that makes the, the Chiefs' loss to the Eagles even more devastating. That would have put the Cowboys a game from the Eagles with a game remaining in Dallas against Philadelphia. Um, and the Eagles have a tough schedule coming up. Um, and they still, um, you're thinking, I think the Eagles, their next game, I think they played the, the 49ers who were playing very well again. Um, just beat uh, Seattle handily yesterday. Um, They could quite possibly when they meet again, be a game apart. And then I'll get devastated when they lose that game, of course, but um, I'm, I'm with you that. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Now are they positioning themselves for a nice wild card road game in the first round as usual? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I have got to see Dak Prescott win against an elite team in crunch time. And that's, that's what I fear can't happen. That defense is really, that's an elite, that's a top five defense they have. And, and it's sad to see that they just, they, they can't get the quarterback play when they need it.
1: Yeah. It's uh, the, 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 that one guy's got, but uh, five pick sixes already this year. I mean, that's uh, he he's a better receiver than anybody. The chiefs have, and he plays defense for the Cowboys. So it, it's we're we're gonna learn a lot about the Cowboys in the next month. I mean, like I said, we kind of know who the Chiefs are. We know who the Eagles are. We we know who a lot of these teams are. I don't know who the Cowboys are yet. Yeah, they're good, but how good?
0: And yeah, The Cowboys plan that, that's that's history, Brad. That's a that fifth pick six in the season, and again, that's only your yep. eleven games. That's an NFL record. You suppose uh, could he play receiver for the Chiefs? Yeah, he'd be better than anybody we have. Well, he's catching it. He's catching it when they're thrown to him. So. that'd be what would be an upgrade so uh let's rip another scab off brad my ugly is going to go to the way the jayhawks have lost their last two football games again we haven't talked in a couple of weeks um brad just brutal um we talked about and a lot of people talked about the possibility of a 10-win season when they played cincinnati in their final that's what they should be doing, Brad, that this team should be nine and two. I mean, you look at the Texas Tech game. Jason Bean, of course, goes down. Quite honestly, Brad, they weren't playing very well with him when he got hurt in that game. Um, you know, you bring in um, ba- Cole Ballard, the, the freshman. Uh, three goal-to-go situations, Brad, in that game. Three points, or six points, excuse me. Two field goals and a turnover on downs. Uh, somehow, some way, they still find a way to get the game tied at 13. And then, for some reason, what they had done after the first two drives of the game when Texas Tech got touchdown field goal, the Jayhawk defense got aggressive, putting pressure. They had gotten a grand total of three points since then. They allow Cincinnati to go from their own 25 to the Jayhawk 12 in three plays and about 25 seconds to kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, The prevent defense, if that's what they were doing, it worked. It prevented them from winning. Um, Awful way to lose. They bounce back the next week, come out playing against K-State, but then the mistakes just add up. The blocked extra point return for two points by K-State. There's a three-point swing. Um, You're up 27-16. to You drop a easy pick six that should have been 34 16 right there and the very next play after that case they bust the run out near midfield they go down and score get a two point within three okay you're still okay you get them stopped deep in their own territory you're gonna have the ball at midfield or better fumble the punt away k-state goes down and scores the go ahead then you get down there 440 left goal to go situation go for it on fourth down nobody's open you throw the pick then you never get the ball back and a controversial, was it a catch? Wasn't it a catch by K state that moved the chains? The rules official there said, I never saw firm control of the football. He would have called it incomplete. Of course they didn't. They affirmed it and KU never gets the ball back. it I know you and I texted uh, briefly because I think we were both um, needing a stiff drink at the end of the KU K state game and, um, that was just brutal to watch them lose those last two games um, and still could have an eight win season. And if we said that at the beginning of the year, you and I probably would have taken it, especially with Jalen Daniels only playing in three games, but man, 10 wins should have been a possibility.
1: Yeah. It's, it's about uh, missed weeks, a um, week. You know, for anybody not named, you know, Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan, I mean, it's not easy to get the double digit wins. I mean, Missouri's getting ready to, you know, re- rename their entire city after uh, that that clown coach that they have there because uh, they're you know they're having a great season. It, it just goes to show how hard it is to get the double digit wins. And Kansas could have had that this year. Uh, boy, last week just was painful. That that drop pick uh-huh. six. Um, God, that one hurt. Uh, what was was the other big moment uh, in the second half um, where you felt like if uh, Kansas had converted, they would have won the game. Oh, Oh, the drop punt, the drop punt. Uh, I don't know if they would have won the game, but you know, they've got the ball on the other side of midfield down uh, with a three point lead. And, you know, maybe they go down there. I also felt like late they should have kicked the field goal to get within one. Um, I just think that asking that um, Ballard to convert on fourth down there was asking an awful lot. And then, if it's incomplete, which it was, now you're asking him if we get the ball back, you got to engineer a touchdown drive. I just think that would have been asking way too much. Kick the field goal, try to get the ball back, and see if you can win it on a field goal. So, but yeah, just uh, just missed opportunities.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought they should have kicked the field goal too. In the end, it wouldn't have mattered. They never got the ball right. back. But um, yeah, but, but again, they're playing for an eight win season. Um, I don't know the status of Jason Bean for this weekend. Um, they're, they're obviously bowl eligible, um, an eight win season, eight and four with a, 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 probably a pretty solid bowl game. Um, I'll take it. And yep. Jalen Daniels says he's going to be back next year. They'll have a lot of pieces back. Um, future looks bright, but that was pretty brutal. So, uh, what would be your bad the last couple of weeks? Do you want to laugh? Oh, absolutely. I need, I need okay. some after here.
1: Okay. Okay. Did you see what the over-under for Nebraska-Iowa is?
0: The over-under as far as total points scored?
1: Yes. What the what the, what the the over-under for today's, for, uh, for Friday, it, they're actually getting ready to kick off here in a little bit, but what the over-under is for the Iowa-Nebraska football game on Friday?
0: Um, I, I did not. Is it somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 points or something?
1: You're actually not too far off, Scott. 25 and a half <laughs> points. <laughs> It is the lowest in college football history. <laughs> 25 and a half points for the over-under. And you know what, Scott? I'm not sure I'm not taking the under on that.
0: They're, they're begging you to take the over, but... I know. It, 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 <laughs> these teams just can't... You know they neither can score. Um, yeah, the, 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 the odds makers are begging people to take the over on that. That, that is hilarious. I'm going to have to tune that game in.
1: Uh, the four the, the next four lowest games in college football history all this year Iowa Rutgers, Iowa Northwestern, Iowa Minnesota. What's the common denominator here?
0: Uh it's I believe it's the Iowa Hawkeyes.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I just 25 and a half points. I mean, Scott, we've seen games where teams score that much in one quarter. I mean, it's unbelievable. How how this is actually, the, and I agree with you, Scott. I was getting ready to say, why would you want to watch that? But you know what? train wrecks can be kind of uh, fun to watch as it is. So if I wasn't getting ready to travel back to Hutchinson, I'd be right there with you. I think I would be watching this game just to laugh for three and a half hours.
0: Well, you're pretty sure it's going to be a one-score game most of the way.
1: Now, wait, are you saying one score game like is in the final margin or one score game as you know, there's going to be one score in the entire game?
0: Well, now that I think about it, no, I, I was actually referring to you <laughs> think that neither team's going to get down by more than one score.
1: <laughs> well, you, th- you you would think, yeah, but then at the same time, maybe there's just going to be maybe the final score is going to be seven to nothing or something.
0: Oh, goodness gracious. That is, yeah, especially in major college football today with the spread. Yeah. And oh, yeah, that's that's pretty. Pretty sad. Did you? I, you know, I I have uh, friends that are Nebraska fans, so I I have been ribbing them for years um, in mediocrity or worse that they've been struggling in. Did you see the way they lost the Wisconsin game? I did. Yeah, I I actually did get to watch the. I was going through the ends of some of the games last week before I went turned in for the evening. and I I turned that one on. That was, (laughs) that was again, another brutal law. Nebraska needs that. They won't be bowl eligible if they don't win today. I think they're five and six going into that game. So uh, be curious, but that's our uh, good, bad, and ugly from the week of sports. So Brad, a few other places we want to go before we go into the Juco football, Brad, most people know I was at the Juco national soccer championships there at striker all of last week called 18 games over the week the semifinals and finals privileged uh, got that to be on espn plus this year well the we had repeat champions brad on both the men's and women's side uh, monroe on the men's side iowa western on the women's side iowa western won won nothing in the first overtime about three or so minutes in Monroe, on the other hand, Brad, they won the game on penalty kicks, uh, but they trailed 1-0 and 2-1. you have any idea on the way they got it tied at 2-2 two to, two to force overtime?
1: I'm going to guess an own goal.
0: It wasn't an own goal. It was what I refer to as a Pele kick or the old bicycle kick.
1: Oh, the bicycle kick. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. What I, You could not believe it when it happened. You saw the... The, I can't remember if this was on a rebound or on a pass from the wing. It may have been a pass from the wing. It was incredible. We were just – it was one of those jaw-dropping moments, and you had a feeling that's going to do it for him, and, and it did in penalty kicks, but, but what a week it, it was out there. We had the most beautiful weather. Um, we were in the 60s all week long. Um, part of the games I was outside on field three. The other games I was inside on the stadium. But uh, they're coming back next year. I hope to be involved in that next year. NAIA men is going to be there here starting this next week. Um, but fantastic soccer all week. Um, I hope I hope a lot of people got out there. A lot of people did during pool play. Uh, the Cali teams accounted themselves very well. The Cali women, first ever trip, got to the semifinals, lost 1-0 uh, to Iowa Western. The Cali men, um, they lost out on the tiebreakers, uh, in the pool play. I think everybody was
1: one and one in there, but it
0: was, it was a great week of soccer. I know, um,
1: I know you would have enjoyed. Yeah. It's a good level of soccer too. Uh, you know, especially I'm guessing I'm not too, um, well-versed in, uh, men's juco, but I'm guessing that there's a lot of, uh, a big international flavor oh my God. for a lot of those teams there. Uh, not that there's not on the women's side, uh, there absolutely is. But, uh, on, on the men's side, you know, when you get those different kinds of players from around the world, different styles, it can be, uh, uh, the, the passion, the intensity, the uh, I, I bet it, it had been a lot of fun to watch.
0: Well, it was an English was the the least spoken language I heard all week.
1: <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and yeah, that's what was fun about being on field three, because you could hear, you could all hear all. different languages going on. It's like, now, wait a minute. There's 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 I know that's a. Spanish. I, I can't quite make out that line. Well, how are you communicating to one another? When I know English is the common denominator there, but yeah, you talk about international flavor, Brad. Oh my gosh. There was teams that had maybe one or two players total from the United States. I mean, all over Europe, uh, uh, the Japanese uh, explosion here in the States. I, I, I trace that back to them winning the World Cup on PKs. About when was that? Probably 10, 2011. I think. Was that 10, 12 years ago? Uh, yep. Oh, my gosh. Japanese players have exploded and they're fantastic soccer players. Uh, of course, we know uh, Mexico, Central and South America. It, it, it's incredible, the international influence. Um, and then there was Navarro that was there. They only had two international players. Everybody else was from Texas or Oklahoma. So you can <laughs> do it in different ways. And that was certainly on display.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, probably see the same thing with the NAIA championships. Um, I remember, uh, you know, my daughter Josie played for Butler, went to a couple of national tournaments. And yeah, they had some English players and some players from across the pond and all that, uh, a player from Mexico. But uh, heck, most of their players are from Kansas, uh, not just from Kansas, but from the Wichita area. So, yeah, it's just there's there's no one way to construct a collegiate athletic team. There There's multiple ways you can do that. You can go local, you can go regional, you can go national, you can go international. Every way has been proven that it can work, so there's no one proper way to do it.
0: Yeah, it it, it was it was a ton of fun, and the fun thing was it kind of uh, puts us right into our next topic. Is I got to talk to all the Iowa Western faithful as they came early, as they went to the football game that you were at the the Iowa Western Hutch game, which Hutch. Ended up winning by a couple of touchdowns and got to visit with them quite a bit. So they just went to that, came over to soccer, which started the next day on Sunday. Um, And now everybody's finished up, Brad. Uh, We have the brackets. Uh, Hutch will host a a, a dangerous uh, Eastern Mississippi team. And I believe the other game ended up being Iowa Western and was it Navarro? Kilgore. Kilgore, excuse me. Um, So what do you you think about Hutch's game? The Iowa Western people were saying that that would be a tough draw for Hutch if they got Eastern Mississippi, which they did.
1: Yeah, the hard thing about Mississippi is, Scott, that they they don't play outside the conference except for in the postseason. So you really don't get a feel for how good they are. Uh, Mississippi had a great run. East Mississippi was won five national championships, I think, from 2011 to 2018. They won five. Uh, Coach Buddy Stevens, of course, is uh, in the JUCO world, a household name, uh, last chance to do the first two seasons. So, yeah, and, and they're obviously playing very well right now. So th- I, th- I think that's just a hard thing is you really can't get a feel for how good they are because they just don't play. They, 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 could, be, they could be world beaters. We, we just don't know. But the one thing I will hold on to is these last few years have not been good for Mississippi teams in postseason play. Um oh gosh, I, can't. I think it was Northwest Mississippi that made it to the playoffs last year, hosted Iowa Western, and, and just they got thumped pretty good. Uh, the year before, Northwest lost to I think it was New Mexico Military in the semifinals. Uh, didn't get killed, but it was a pretty comfortable win for New Mexico Military, who won the national championship by the way. And Hutch hosted the Heinz team in the Salt City Bowl and just obliterated them. I think it was like 66-34. to 34. So I really don't have a good feel for that other than I know that Hutch is playing very well and that win over Iowa Western was as impressive. They just pounded the ball all game. They looked very, very good. Uh, One of the touchdowns they allowed was uh, when the uh, defensive back slipped uh, and you know, it it was over after that. So uh, I I just don't have a good feel for that game because there's just no way other than history of knowing what to expect from Mississippi schools.
0: Yeah, it is too. And, and, who ended up being the two seed? Is it Iowa Western or did Kilgore get that?
1: Iowa Western held on to it, okay. as, as I think was the right decision.
0: I, I do as well. So, do you ultimately hear uh, those games will be on uh, a week from Saturday? Do you ultimately think we end up with a rematch of Hutch and Iowa Western?
1: I do. I do. I think Iowa Western is pretty good. Um, Kilgore, I, I give them credit in that I think that they, 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 they found ways to win. So, you know, you give them credit for that. I just don't know. If, if I was doing a power rankings, I might even have Kilgore among these top four teams as number four. So, you know, they, they, they deserve to be there, obviously. They should be there, obviously. I just think that Iowa Western and, and Hutch end up uh, playing down again in Little Rock.
0: All right. Should Juco playoffs again should be fantastic. And that those will begin a week from Saturday. Well, a little... SC Warrior Basketball Talk, Brad, you got to fill in for me while I was doing the, the national title games um, last Saturday for soccer. Um, you saw St- Sterling and St. Mary. Uh, the men's team now, Brad, off to a great start. They're 5-1. and one. Uh, The women's team, I covered a game. They played a little non-conference game Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. Uh, I remember, the, I think it was 59-57 was the final, Brad. That was their largest lead. Um, in that game, a game which they shot just under 31% for the game, but made 22 free throws. Oklahoma city attempted 13. That was certainly um, the difference. So it's a, it's a, it's so young. The ladies are so young, Brad. Um, They've got some good pieces there. I think it's certainly going to be some highs and lows. Um, You would think January, February team's going to be very competitive battling in the top half of the conference. Uh, The men's team, on the other hand, Brad, they've got me intrigued. There's some great new pieces. They're very athletic. Um, They've got a good win at Ottawa on their resume. Um, They've beaten some good teams this year. and We'll we'll find out more when they get into the meat of the schedule. Right out of the break, they go to Southwestern, who is really, really good. But uh, What was your impression of
1: the two teams when you saw them? Well, Starting with the women's. Um, boy, it, it was hard to to discuss the game with Coach Casey Bassett from the vantage point of coach. It's still November. It's OK. Long way to go here. St. Mary's really good. And St. Mary, by the way, is very good. They're very good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I know that's not the DNA of not just Coach Bassett, but also Sterling College women's basketball. That's not what they want to do. They don't talk about moral victories they don't talk Oh, we're okay now we're, we're gonna be fine down the road no that, that's just not how they're built and that's fine that's fine but I do want to reiterate I do think they will be fine they had that game down to two points in the fourth quarter Scott they were right there um, I just remember they got down to two points they picked up full court and St. Mary broke that press with ease and just as quickly as they got down to two points it was back to seven about 20 seconds later they scored in transition got got a got the ball back and made a three-pointer and Boy, I just think that 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 is the biggest thing. I think when you give up a big lead like that, is to quickly get it back up a little bit, and that's what St. Mary did. And you just sense that St. Mary then had the we're fine, and, and Sterling had a oh no, kind of mentality to it. But I, I do think in the long run the the women are going to be good, and boy, the men, um, I th- I think that they're good, Scott. Uh, I I think that they're really good. You know, uh, Jaden Garrison is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he had about seven points in the, in a sp- uh, in a span of about uh, it felt like 10 seconds It was probably closer to a minute uh, buried a long three pointer, hit a long two, then hit a couple free throws. Uh, they're, they're just a fun team to watch. And the thing that impressed me most about that win over St. Mary Scott was the second half was boring. <laughs> and, and I, and I mean that seriously, they, they were up by double digits. They didn't really let uh, St. Mary get into it until, you know, the, the door was still cracked in the last minute down by eight. But you know, for the most part of that second half, it was just boring. Just, you know, Sterling is keeping up, you know, between 13 and 20 points, not allowing any run. Um, you know, Mooch Austin's a very good player. I really like that kid, by the way. Lucas Breyer is going to be good. You know, uh, Randy Steng was able to play a lot of different bodies, which he's doing this early in the season, trying to figure some things out. Uh, Brandon Doss, I like that kid, too. He had 12 points in that game. Mm-hmm. This is uh, – I think this is going to be a good team, Scott. I think uh, not just upper half, but this this could be a thrilling team that competes for a first-round home game.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think top four is not out of the question for this team. Again, I, I love the, the Doss and Austin. I love those two at the, at the guard positions. Lucas Breyer's playing really well. There's the local talent, him and Jaden Garrison. They got two 6'10 kids in Adele, Malek, and uh, Elias and Goga. Um, so they got the size they got the athleticism and the depth which they haven't had in recent memory so yeah they're going to be uh, a ton of fun to watch again um, next wednesday when they travel to winfield um, great litmus test for that team Win southwestern really good they brought back a ton from a, a really good team last season so uh, uh, they're going to be a lot of fun um, to follow them this season well time to move into our uh Uh, baseball obscure stats for the week maybe not so obscure but you're gonna like some of these brad um let's go back to 1923 and babe ruth here's the season that babe ruth had back then this was i think 152 game season brad he batted 393 most of us don't think of babe ruth as a contact here we think him as a home run hitter and rightfully so probably still the the greatest pure home run hitter of all time but hit 393 205 hits at that time. He had a major league record. I don't know where this stands. Now he walked 170 times season. He was hit four times and he reached base again, a record at that time. And it stood for a long time. If it doesn't still stand, he reached base 379 times. Um, That's over twice a game that the guy's getting on base every game. It was, uh, it just goes goes to prove that people again just saying, "Oh, Babe Ruth was a home run hitter. He was a really good pitcher." But you look at this he he hit he sprayed the ball everywhere. He was a great hitter and player, um, especially in that era, and probably in any era.
1: I have to say, a lot of that is also due to the fact that he just probably hit the ball harder than anybody uh, had ever seen before. You know, no one really probably know knew how to defend him except for <laughs> except for walking him or hitting him with a pitch. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, kind of goes to show that, um, how he transcended sport. And we've had very few athletes like that in history that were, you know, th- that they're so good that they transcend. You know, I look at, uh, you know, Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain and guys like that, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, athletes who just were so good that they were bigger than the game, essentially. And that's what Babe Ruth was.
0: Yeah. And, and you got to realize back in, in 1923, if you hit 20 homers in a season, you were a big power hitter. Uh, the dead ball, the huge ballparks, and this guy was jacking 40-plus a season out. Um, just, just an incredible player um, that he was back in that era. Um, another good one here, Brad. I think we talked about this season one time before. Bob Gibson's 1968 season on the mound was amazing, but his June and July – May have been the best two months ever on the mound. Here's what he did in June and July of 1968. 12 starts. Care to guess how many of those were complete games?
1: How many starts? 12. 12.
0: 12 complete games. <laughs> how many wins do you think he had? 10. 12. <laughs> Eight shutouts. A total of six runs allowed. Wow. So that's what is that? That's hundred and eight innings, and I it didn't say any there any of those games were extra innings. So you're, you're assuming they were nine inning games. So that's hundred and eight innings. He allowed six runs. Completed all his starts. Won every game, and eight of those twelve were shutouts.
1: Wow, that's incredible! Just <laughs> incredible.
0: Well, I mean, if you were the opposing team during that June and July after he got started, and you were the opposing manager, you probably looked at the. At the lineup when you got it, you're like, "Ah, crap, uh, who's our starter tomorrow?" <laughs> you, know, you, you knew you were screwed. I mean, you, you weren't winning that game
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it just shows the dominance that some of these guys have had. I mean I kind of uh, I was doing some research when you um we started talking about this, but uh, about the, the during the dead ball era, and if you had 20 home runs, you know you are considered a power hitter. yeah uh, there was a guy in his, his name was home run Baker. He never hit more than twenty-one home runs in the season, but that was that, that was his. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, Scott. I was looking at the wrong stat. He actually never hit more than twelve home runs in the season, and they called him Home Run Baker because he hit the he had so many home runs.
0: That <laughs> <laughs> just oh boy, that just puts an emphasis right on that. Um, yeah, because it was such a dead ball and everything back in those days. But uh, that was incredible. And and one more pitching stat. Um, I think we've talked about this one before, but it popped back up. Um, this last week and i saw it uh, during nolan ryan's career brad he struck out seven guys during his career that later in his career he struck out their sons
1: (laughs) i I guess griffey was one of them yeah i
0: i sure it didn't it did not mention the father-son combinations i might have to look that up but i bet you ken griffey jr and senior probably had to be one of them
1: right but, but there's probably Bell and Boone in there too, or something.
0: Gosh, the, the just the endurance to pitch that well, that long, and to be that overpowering. I mean, he got his his sixth no hitter when he was uh, uh, 45 years old, I believe, uh, 44 or 45. Just ah, uh, he's probably one of my favorite of all time. He's got it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's right there.
1: Yeah, just an absolute dominant pitcher. Uh, and think about the number of one hitters I he carried into the ninth inning. I think he had like nine, nine no hitters in the ninth inning that were broken up. So look how close he was to even having just an, uh, an unbreakable record like that where he could have had maybe 14 or 15 no hitters.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I think his – did he finish with six or seven total?
1: Seven. Seven. So uh,
0: I, there, I don't think there's any way. I mean, somebody gets two or three in their career and you think oh, you're you're astounded. But to get seven, uh, again, that's probably one of those unbreakable records. Uh, we'll never see the day again. Uh, so that's the gist of our regular topics this week. So we'll go to your final thoughts.
1: Well, Scott, we talked a little bit earlier about that dramatic Blue, uh, Blue Valley Southwest Mill Valley football game that uh, Mill Valley won. On the last play of the game, literally the last play of the game, and where, you know, Blue Valley Southwest potentially could have had that game won if a call had gone their way, a tough call could have gone their way. But what really stood out to me was uh, watching the video of that winning play. And obviously, all the Mill Valley players stormed the field to celebrate and they're going wild. You know, they get to another practice uh, week, they get to play in the state championship game again. And the Blue Valley Southwest players just devastated. There was one kid from uh, on the offensive line from Mill Valley who pancaked his guy on the last play of the game. And, you know, he's staying with the block, obviously, staying to, just to make sure that, you know, the play is over, his guy scores, and he stands up, takes a step toward the celebration, stops, turns around, helps the guy to his feet, and they just kind of, you know, they, they share an embrace for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kansas City Star actually did a story uh, yesterday on these two kids, uh, Gus Hawkins uh, from Mill Valley and Luke Davis from Blue Valley Southwest. And uh, uh, Gus Hawkins, I think, is a six seven kid. I think K-State has offered him. Uh, Luke Davis was a three-year JV player who ended up actually leading Blue Valley Southwest in tackles for loss and, um, I think, quarterback sacks as well. But it just goes to show that, you know, I, I just think that is um, high school sports in, in its uh, purest form right there, you know. Uh, in Literally in an instant, you know, one 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 team is uh, knowing that they got another week to play and their team season is done. One kid, uh, most likely the Luke Davis. He said, "You know, due to the fact that he was three years on JV, he pretty much isn't getting any looks." Um, hey, Hutch, uh, Drew Dallas, give this kid a look, please. It'd uh, be kind of cool to bring this kid aboard. So, uh, but just just seeing that kind of moment where these two guys, um, you know, put put everything aside, and, and the and the the Hawkins kid was saying that you know hey, he was one of the toughest guys I went up against all year. I kept telling them during the game, "Man, you're tough." Uh, just, just, just a great story to see that that you know, in, in the heat of the moment and in the, the celebration and all that, that you know, one of the victorious players realized essentially that could be me laying down there right now. You know, I'm lucky that it's not. I'm going to help him to his feet and tell him how good he played. It was just a great story.
0: All right? You just that, and that's what high school sports should be. Um, and I think that's why you and I talk a lot about how everything trickles down from professional to college to high school. And a lot of the things we've seen that we don't like, um, the trash talk and the um, um, posing after a, after a play and that, that kind of stuff. So those are the stories that... Um, you love to hear that. That is what high school sports should be about. And we certainly when those happen, we certainly want to highlight them. But, yeah, that that's great, especially in that moment where you say, you know, one, one kid's career is over. One's going to have a chance to to win a state title. That that is an amazing display of sportsmanship. Yeah,
1: especially considering that uh, the the Blue Valley Southwest kid just kept saying that the, uh, the Mill Valley kid just kept saying how tough he was, how good of a player he was. And you know, for for a you know, as as a dad who had a three year JV player as well in soccer, and you know, Landon came out and had a great year this year, got all conference recognition. I understand what that's like, you know, to not really to, to kind of be underlooked. What what you feel is being underlooked for most of your high school career, and to come out and have a great senior season, to have that recognition from someone is uh, it, it means the world.
0: It is, and I, I, I'm I'm glad that the uh, Kansas City Star did did pick that up and, and, get, gets the rightful press um, that it did deserve. Um, well, my final thought, Brad, um, I think still one of the most shocking moments that I remember um, growing up or in sports was the sudden retirement of Barry Sanders. Um, what looked like in the height of his career at, at age 31, he suddenly up and retires um, from the Detroit lions Everybody I think was shocked. Didn't think it would last. Oh, he's going to come back. Oh no, he's trying to force a trade, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he never did. He was in the neighborhood of just over 1400 yards away from breaking the all time rushing record, which I think we all believe if he'd played a couple, three more healthy seasons, he would be, um, several thousand yards, probably ahead of where Emmett Smith is. um, But never look back. And there was a recent article um, I just saw on, I think there's a documentary coming out about Barry Sanders, um, the the real reason why he retired. And he he has said this, and he he stayed true to it, that um, ultimately it was he looked at where the Lions were at. He didn't really want to go anywhere else. They were clearly going towards rebuilding mode. um, And he just said his heart wasn't in it. Um, and he always had told himself if the desire to not play ever became bigger than desire to play, he would stop playing. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and he seems and has always seemed to be at peace uh, with that decision. And you, you have to respect that. And if you know the guy, which, you know, we don't know him personally or anything. But do you remember the first two things that he did when he got his uh, first pro contract with the Detroit Lions? No, I don't. He tithes 10% to his church, and he bought his folks a house. (laughs) Nice. I mean, you don't need to know a lot more about a guy um, than that. Uh, It it was an agonizing decision for him and his family to come out in the draft after his junior year at Oklahoma State because he loved college football. Um, I think he did has since gone back and finished his degree. I think he promised his parents that he would do that. But then to do that for them and for his church, just he had his priorities straight. I think he always had his priorities straight. Um, he didn't Brett Favre and come back, back three times after retiring or try to hold the Lions hostage like um, Favre, or, uh, Favre did with the, the Packers. Are you playing? Are you not? We, we need to move we need on. Um, you just got to respect the guy. And he he's... He's right at the top of my list, if not who I would consider the greatest running back of all time, but also one of the greatest men of all time that that
1: played the game. He was just, uh, you know, we always joke about, you know, how bad the Lions have been through the years and we long for the days of thanksgiving football and barry sanders because nobody could turn a loss into four yards into a gain of two and make you jump out of your seat like barry sanders could and i mean that in all seriousness i mean i can't count the number of times where it looked like he was dead in his right for a four yard five yard loss and he ended up with a modest pickup and it was it was the most exciting stuff you'd ever see. um yeah it was just unfortunate that he um really didn't get a chance to play much in the postseason. Well, actually, I mean, he actually did. He played in six postseason games, five postseasons, one postseason win. Uh, just really didn't get that chance to really showcase his uh, how great he was in January. But, you know, you know this, the 97 the year before his retirement, he ran for 2,000 yards. He was the NFL's MVP. And that was, you know, you could argue he's at the peak of his powers. I mean, the next year, his last year still ran for almost 1,500 yards. Uh, And like you said, Scott, you know, father time is undefeated. Maybe a part of it also was, but he felt like that, you know, maybe he could, he could feel the decline starting to come on. uh, Which which after almost 1500 yards is kind of funny to say, but maybe he did. And so uh, I agree that he, he's always seen that piece. Never really seemed like, Oh, I should have played another couple of years. No, he was fine with that. Um, Definitely was sad when he retired because very few players make the, are, 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 very few players I would say are like Patrick Mahomes is a fun player to watch. Like, he, yeah, I have fun watching him play. It's fun watching him play. same thing I can say about Barry Sanders. He was just fun. Just you were, you, you never knew what you're going to see on every play. He just kept you mesmerized to the TV set for three hours. Cause you just didn't know what you're going to see from him. That's how good he was that you had to respect that on any given play. He might score.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, you were on the edge of the seat every time they handed him the football. I mean, he, he didn't know what was coming. And my one of my favorite stories I've ever heard was come from the Mike and Mike show. And of course, Mike Golick, his brother, brother Bob Golick played for the Raiders uh, most of his career. I think also maybe the Browns as well. Um, he told the best Barry Sanders story I've ever heard. You know, Bob was a defensive lineman. And of course the handoff went to Barry and Bob had broken through the line. Well, Barry puts a move on him and just puts him on the ground. Well, true to Barry form, he got to the edge and nothing was happening. So he cut back in time for Bob to get up and miss a tackle on him again. <laughs> on the, on, he missed a tackle twice on the same play on Barry Sanders. And it's just, yeah, it's like you said, he, he could turn a, a four yard loss into a 79 yard touchdown. Um, and yeah, some of those he cut back, he'd lose seven, eight yards. But you, you would, you were willing to live with it because you knew that some of the time that they weren't going to have the big loss, they were going to get the huge play. And yeah, it just was edge of the seat fun to watch. And again, just such such a great man as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wichita, Kansas too. Let's not forget that
0: Wichita North High School. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the home home roots, and he's still in the same article at home wichita is still home to him so uh boy we hope hope he's doing well um, but that was a good article and again maybe maybe the greatest to ever play well again that's the this week's show we'll be back next week we'll talk about all the state championships uh basketball in full swing the chiefs will have played again and the jayhawks we'll talk about all of that but for this week's view from the press box for brad Hallier This is Scott Hogan. God bless. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend.